Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. say tonight I'm so thankful for everybody that's here appreciate each and everybody appreciate those from my brother's church has come faithful every night including him appreciate them being here and those from Star Bethlehem appreciate you guys being here tonight and, and some even from brother Dustin's tonight glad that you're here and I want to say I appreciate sister Lisa she's drove the bus every night this week and got some of these young people here appreciate all those from Harvest House that's been here Amen. Appreciate you guys so much. It's an it's inedible. You always have people that's sick and can't come and can't make it for various reasons, but I'm glad that you are here. Amen. And I'm very glad to have um, my, my friend, Pastor Ryan here. Amen. He is a few years younger than me, and uh, but yet I look up to him, and I appreciate what he is allowing God to do in his life. I've said this usually when he comes and preaches a series of services with us. I just like to bring him in and just not worry about preaching him here at all. And let's just go hang out and eat because I get sermons and, and ministered to the whole entire time that we're out and about. Even when he's beating people in chest on the Patty's floor out there. He was bullying Bethany Day and beat her in chest, but he's still ministering to us. So, <laughs> you know, the king can still move. Now he didn't say that, but anyway. <laughs> but we're we're very very thankful for his ministry and and what he he has um, given to me this week for sure. And I know that some of you are the same way. But I'm very thankful for thankful for him. And I'd tell him to obey God, but I know he will, and I know he has a word for us tonight. So, give. Give my good friend and, and a, a voice to this church. Amen. He's a voice to this church. Give him a good hand as he comes to minister the word this tonight. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, let's give that to the Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you for you, Father. Your presence that is here. Oh, God, we have worshipped you, and you are worthy of it, Father. So would you be with us in this house? Lord, I've come to magnify your name. I've come to lift you up, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, there is none like you. There was none before you. There'd be none after you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, there's something in this house right now. Come on, let's not play games right now. Let's plug in to the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. All over this house. I feel the gift of faith already working. Hallelujah. Come on, we're here for him tonight. Father, we are here for no other reason. Father, we open our spirits, we open our minds, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'll be honest with you. I am not satisfied with just having church. 
I want to be the church. I want to be apostolic. Not necessarily what we've made it, but I want to be apostolic. In Jesus' name. So good to be in the house of the Lord. I know, I just feel something so very strong that I believe that God gave me a message that I had to fight all hell to get it and also to give it. So hopefully I can give it to you like God gave it to me. But I am, I don't want to come off out, trade out the gate all hot and heavy. But I do feel something very strong. But um, thank you for letting me come. It's always a privilege. It's always a joy. I love the Orton family. Uh, all of the Orton family. And uh, that includes uh, not just Daniel and Cheryl. But that includes uh, also my good friend Michael. Uh, Pastor Orton and uh, his his lovely wife and I do mean lovely <laughs> amen I love all of you uh, you guys have been friends over the years so I count it my privilege to be here um, just you guys have been so kind to me over the years and have been friends of mine and I don't want to take that for granted I pray often and frequent when I come and preach places like this um, Lord don't let me uh, you know familiarity breeds contempt you know sometimes you get so familiar you, you can step on over somebody's line and I, I don't ever want to do that because um, I want to respect our relationships don't ever get so familiar with each other that you just so flippantly cross people's lines and just speak ill-timed words. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Amen. Um, like, like Bethany today. No. <laughs> we did play a real live game of chess. And uh, the whole family started bullying me. Intimidating me. But I won. They were all on one side. Even little man. I like his little get up. Sun's out, gun's out. He was pushing over my pieces. I'm just kidding. All right. Hey, let's get to the word. I'm sorry. I just take a little time. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. If you got your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 20 and 1 Peter 5 and 8. Pastor said it. While I was 17, I came to the Lord, but here's the deal. I had such a radical change in my world that my senior year of high school, I witnessed to and brought to church over 100 people. And our church is no bigger than this. We actually had less. We didn't have good music. Our music was actually terrible. We needed, we, we needed some help. But I'm telling you, if you have a radical change, Jimmy, you can bring, you can bring people to God. And they can stick. Because there's people that I want to the Lord that are preaching the gospel right now. They're pastors. They're assistant pastors. I'm telling you, if you can actually get a hold of, of some folk, you get a hold of it. You connect with the vine. You being the branch, you're going to produce fruit. So if you're not producing fruit, check your connection. With the vine. Amen. Amen. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I mean, excuse me. I just. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 20. The Bible says, And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion. In the midst of a pit, somebody say the right place, right place. in a time of snow. Somebody say the right time. The right place and the right time. He went down and slew that lion. But 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as... A roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may 
devour. Tonight I want to talk to you about the reality of the roar. And I feel like I had to fight all hell to get it and fight all hell to give it because we're going to expose the enemy's tactics tonight that I believe that you have been fighting some things, you've been roaring some things, but God is going to pull the cover back and expose the enemy in Jesus' name. So I need you with all the, all the faith you have, lift your hands and your voices as high as those hands and begin to call on heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we need you for only what you can do. Lord, if except you build the house, we labor in vain that build it. So, Father, I pray, loose my tongue to speak as an oracle of the Lord, and I take authority in the name of Jesus. I bind all hell in every, every spirit of opposition. I pray every spirit of error, every spirit of deception be bound, every lying tongue of the enemy be bound and I pray release a spirit of truth release a spirit of revelation and understanding in this house and we pray it all in Jesus name and everybody said in Jesus name amen slap high five with your neighbor tell them they're looking good it's Friday night Amen. You ready? I don't know about you. This don't feel like a Friday night. Because I... Mm, but I, I feel something creeping up on me. Jesus' name. See, over the last 15 years of ministry that I've been a part of, you've been here 16 years. What year did you start? What, what year? 2006. Well, I'm coming up on 16 years of ministry alongside you. But over the last 15 years of ministry, I have watched churches, people, preachers, that are on the offense and they are moving forward they are growing but these churches these men of God and the saints of God that are on the offense and they are moving forward and they are growing and great things are happening as they are making strides towards the kingdom they often come I've watched it time and time again I've watched them come to the brink of revival in the cusp of great harvest of souls coming into the kingdom I've watched it they get right there to the edge only for the devil to rear his ugly head and loose his forked tongue and release a verbal all-out assault on God's people beginning to distract them, to deter them and sending them back into a defensive posture. Then the revival that was promised and the harvest that was prophesied is aborted and there is a purpose that is proponed, postponed. I have seen it time and time again. I've been a part of many apostolic churches that are having great revival come to the brink only to get there hit a wall and the devil rears up that ugly head and begins to loose that forked tongue and begins to lie and to intimidate hear me somebody I've watched it time and time again I've watched churches that they bump they, they go from 30 to 70 bump something in the spirit the devil rears his ugly head but then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and then we back off and start to wonder is it worth it is it going to be worth it to go through it all is it going to be worth it I'm tired I'm already wore out I'm already is it going to be worth it to break through but hear me tonight it is when we get to that 
edge, the brink of revival. You know it. I've been there. You've been there. Only. Mm. I don't know if you heard that. Things are going good. And then, oh, let me, let me get my fancy phone out. We hear that. The devil begins to put pressure. And we begin to back off. And we begin to question, is it worth it? Or am I just satisfied with 30? Am I just satisfied with 50? Am I just satisfied with 70? Am I just satisfied with 100? Am I just satisfied with having a good job? and making? Am I just satisfied with my kids not being sick? Am I just satisfied? Or do we really want apostolic revival? We say it, but when the devil starts to roar and he begins to put that mental assault, that emotional... Uh, weariness begins. Uh, see, I read it. I was coming out of the gym and next to our gym there in Colorado Springs, it is uh, a Navy recruitment center. And on the window it had a little decal and a saying on there that struck me which actually inspired this message. It said on the window, it said, In times of crisis, some run to the fight. Implying, in times of crisis, most run away. But when I seen that, I realized... That we are called as the apostolic church that in times of crisis we are not to run away. We are not to back down. But we are to run to the fight in the midst of all hell breaking loose. Not question, not wonder, is it worth it? Do I want to pay the price? That's not it. See, because on April, on, on not April, it's April now. But September 11, 2001, you guys know what happened. Four airplanes were hijacked by terrorists, bent on evil. Two of those planes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City. One of them crashed into a field in Stony Creek Township, Pennsylvania. And one of them crashed into the west side of the Pentagon. The natural instinct for those in the building was to get out. But on that day... There were heroes who didn't run out. They ran into those buildings to help those who needed help. And one of them was Lieutenant Colonel Ted Anderson who attended a church there in Washington, D.C. And they tell the story. One account captures his story this way. Watch. Anderson acted like a man possessed. As others ran for their lives, he sprinted from his office towards the point of impact. Spreading his jacket over shards of glass on the windowsill, Anderson had on a, had a non-commissioned officer boost him into the collapsing building. And together they carried out two women, one of them unconscious and the other badly burned. And over the next hour, as the rest of the world looked on in shock, Ted Anderson returned to the blaze over and over again. And at one point, he and the officer were low crawling through the inferno, screaming to be heard above the roar. And Arlington County firefighters finally restrained them. And it probably saved their lives because just a few minutes later, the building collapsed. Ted Anderson stayed at the Pentagon all day in part because his keys were at his desk in the Pentagon. That night, the building superintendent let him get his keys and he drove home. He listened to 52 messages on his answering machine. He took a shower and he cried for 30 minutes 
and tried to go to sleep. But at 1 a.m. his boss called and said, I can't sleep. Let's go to work. Put on your battle uniform. So in the middle of the night, they headed back to the Pentagon because they knew that we were at war. What I'm preaching to you tonight is that we need to not run from what we are facing and what we are feeling. But I feel in the Holy Ghost that we need to lean into the fight. We need to lean into what we are facing. Too many times we've come to the brink. Too many times we walk the line. But tonight somebody needs to make up in your mind it's going to be worth it all. I'm going to run to the fight because there's people in the fire. There's people that need me. I don't know. <laughs> Hear me right now. You cannot question anymore whether it's worth it or not. It is. So you cannot be like anybody else but Ted Anderson and say, listen, there's people that need me and all hell's going to fight you, but don't fear it. Run into it. Lean into it. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I found a verse of scripture in 2 Timothy 4 and 17. It was Paul, the most effective apostle of the then known world. It was 2 Timothy 4 and 17. He is writing to his son in the gospel. He said, notwithstanding... The Lord stood with me. Now this is after he gives the rest of the chapter previous to this verse. He has literally had everybody in his life walk away from him. He said, they walked away. Demas forsook me. Loving this present world. And he listed so many people that had walked away. Not everybody in his life walked away. That's, that's a gross exaggeration. But he said, all these people walked away and nobody stood with me. But here's, what he, here's where we pick up. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And strengthened me. And by me, watch, that by me the preaching might be fully known. That all the Gentiles, that all the Gentiles might hear. Notice the terminology, fully and all of the Gentiles might hear. And he says this, and I was delivered out of the mouth. What was Paul delivered from? The mouth of the lion. But what is he referring to? Because, yeah, the mouth of the lion. And no, I know we can get all caught up in Christian phraseology that the world has no idea. Sometimes I think we're not as effective as we could be because we're so churchy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But here's the deal. You've got to understand what does delivered from the mouth of the lion mean, Paul? What could it be that he was actually delivered from? Because it could have been anything out of the mouth of the lion. This phrase comes from Psalms 22:21, and therefore it does not really have a defined limit of reference of what it could be referencing. But it is possible. Referencing that it could have been the lions of the amphitheaters in the Colosseums. Was the lion in reference to Nero and the Roman emperors? Because at the time of Tiberius Caesar's death, when he died, they said the lion is dead. Or was it Rome itself to what he was referring? Because Rome in those days, they had a popular cry against the Christians that they used. It was a household phrase in Rome. It was Christianos ad leonum, which means Christians to the lions. And we think we got it bad. In all reality, 
It could have been mentioning the lions of the amphitheaters. It could have been mentioning the Roman emperors that would that would be called the lions of Rome. Or it could have been Rome itself. Christianos ad leonum. But can I tell you, it was all and none of these. It was actually the reality that the lion is Satan according to 1 Peter 5 and 8. And the danger which the apostles escaped was not death which he did not fear but the fear was that he would betray the gospel under the fear of death so Satan going about to frighten the child of God out of confessing that Jesus is Lord is called the roaring lion the lion's mouth can be each and all of these and all evil, all the evil thoughts which assault your mind. Hear me right now. It's all the evil thoughts that assault your mind attempting to wreck your spirit and to break your body. But the roar is an attempt to threaten and intimidate the believer from moving forward. The roar is his endeavor to discourage you and to get you to throw in the towel to apply pressure mentally emotionally so that we will settle for less than the promises of God you want to know what's what you're hearing in your ear and feeling in your body and your emotions and wrestling within your mind it's the roar of the lion it's telling you it's not worth it it'll cost you far too much to do the will of God But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to do the will of God, it's going to cost you family. If you're going to do the will of God, it's going to cost you everything. See, notice what Paul said. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. He was delivered out of the mouth of the line. But here's, here's what I got right here. The fear of every, the fear of Paul and every preacher, every saint should be that we should, the fear should be that we would not fulfill all of God's will. No, you didn't, you no, no, no. The devil will try to intimidate us to get us to settle for less than all of God's will. That's why he said that I might fully preach and that all the Gentiles might hear. Paul was terrified that somehow he was going to be intimidated and he would not accomplish all of God's will. Because the devil don't mind if you fulfill some of God's will and settle for less than all of God's will. <laughs> well, I'm in church. But are you fulfilling God's will? Are you preaching to people you're called to preach to? I'm here to tell you I've watched too many apostolics get bold until we get in the, in the real world. You know what I did down in Texas? I went, I went and preached, uh, or no, it was Louisiana actually. I was preach, preached to a bunch of young people. And they went plumb berserk. I preached it, and I, there's an open door in the Spirit. God wants this generation to go through that open door. I kicked the side door open, and they ran out in the parking lot, rolling around in the grass. They had little signs because the pastor kept the grass real nice. They edged it out and everything. It says, mind the grass. They're all rolling in it, and I'm like, mind the grass. Right? But they're all doing that. Then we go down to Cain's, the chicken place. And there's other people. It was a Friday night. There's other people that were there. And they were a little tipsy. And they were a little bold. So we got one group over here on one side of us. And we got another group that comes in the door. And this group over here, they're a little tipsy. Other group's a little tipsy. And they start doing this call and response. Hey! And they're like, whoa! And, like, and, and you, you should have watched all the bold apostolics. They're like, oh my gosh. What do we do? What do we do? You know? 
You know what I did? I went and bought I went and bought a Canes T-shirt. It had a it had a puppy on the front of it. I went and put it on, and I came out. I was like, "Hey, oh!" And everybody seen my shirt like, "Hey!" I was like, hey, hey. And then we took the place over. I took the child, took a chair that I was sitting in. I started waving it over my head, and, stuff, and I let them know that we don't have nothing to be intimidated about. The only thing that we should be intimidated about is if we don't fulfill the will of God, all the will, and preach all the gospel. I'm not telling you to be ignorant. I'm not telling you to be belligerent and dumb. But I'm telling you that the only thing that terrifies me is that I get to the other side and I can do everything that God called me to do. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't want to say it. My wife, man, you think... You, sometimes you... Pa- Pastor Orton. Um, Pastor Michael Orton. There's two Pastor Ortons here. I get that messed up. But sometimes... Yeah, I might be mean. You should hear my wife. You know what she says? She said, sometimes the will of God is not going to be fulfilled. There, she said, there's been so many calls of God aborted because women won't leave their mamas. of God's will all of it that's what he said he said oh gosh see you ready every time you start to move forward there will be that and we're feeling it right now but you ready for the reality of the roar you ready I'm going to rip the covers back you ready? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be so profound that y'all, I, I shouldn't make you pay double for this one. <laughs> the reality of the roar, that intimidation tactic that the devil uses to lie to you and tell you that it's not going to work out. You're going to go bankrupt. You're going to drown in debt. You're going to, he's going to put all this on you. Ain't... But the reality of the roar is this. The reality of the roar is that his roar isn't reality. That's it. That's it. Altar call. Do you realize that all the pressure, all the lies, all of it, he's just talking. If you have that revelation, if you have that revelation, you can defeat all hell. (laughs) Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's only a threat. The reality of his roar, that his roar isn't reality. He's just, he's a liar. You can't believe him. (laughs) It's that simple. It's elementary. Uh, But all of us, uh, and we'll shout over it, but wait, wait till somebody gets sick all of a sudden. You're like, I'm telling you, there's, there's been so many times I'm fighting and that roar is loud. All of a sudden, I, I like get tweaked in my back or something and I kind of feel it in my chest. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Right? And you know it too. You get a, you get a pimple, you think it's cancer. Tell me that 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 devil ain't roaring. You know, I mean, you know what? I, the devil has stock in WebMD. Right? Is I'm a doctor, okay? This is cancer. The legs got to come off. I know that's funny, but we self-diagnose when the enemy begins to roar. We start to self-diagnose, and I'm telling you, we commit spiritual suicide, and we abandon our faith quicker than we realize. We get in the smoking hot... Oh, man. 
See, Job 1 and 7, the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Can you see? Here's God. Satan, where you been at? I ain't seen you in a minute. He said, Oh, I've been walking to and fro in all the earth, up and down in it. Oh, really? Have you considered my servant Job? He said, I have, but you got to edge around him. He said, touch him. Let his edge come down. Let me at him. And you know what the Bible said. Watch this. The Bible says, Put forth thine hand now, touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. What? It's like God just did Job dirty. I don't know if you read it that way, but that's how I read it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Upon, only upon himself put forth my, thine hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. It's like, God, I thought, I, I thought we were good. But you gave Satan permission to mess with my house. Right? Watch what, watch what the devil said in verse 10. I didn't read that. Hast thou not made a hedge about him? Watch. About his house? About all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand? And his substance is increased in the land? And God gave Satan permission to take all that. And eventually his hell. Right? I got a story like that. I remember one time I was... I was teaching Bible studies, and I was going to teach a Bible study one night. And as I am going, driving down the road to a Bible study, the devil, if I've ever heard anything spiritual that was audible, it wasn't God. It was the devil. You know what he said? He said, I am going to kill you. And I was like, all of a sudden, my chest tightened up. I started hyperventilating. I was having a borderline panic attack. And I'm telling you what. I got to my mom's house where I was going to be teaching that Bible study. I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. I had to go down in the basement. And I started pacing. I said, God, you got to do something. The devil's going to kill me. And I, I mean, I am freaking out. You know what I did? I called my pastor. I said, Pastor, I'm at my mom's house. My chest is tight. I can't think straight. The devil said he's going to kill me. And my pastor started laughing. Like, no, you don't realize it. I heard it. I heard it. And he laughed. He said, Ryan, because it, it, it ended up, he, he said, if the devil could have killed you, You'd already be dead. And you know what we did? We're not we're teaching that Bible study, and my aunt knocked on the door. She was full of the devil. I promise you, full of the devil. And she came, she sat at that table. And guess what? I started preaching about the blood of Jesus. And when I started preaching about the blood of Jesus, all of a sudden she grabbed her ears, closed her eyes, and started to say, No, no, no. 
And we end up praying her through, cast the devil out of her. My mom didn't know what to do. She said, devil be gone, devil be gone. And we cast the devil out of her, and we prayed her through to the... I'm here to tell you, the devil's afraid of what you're going to be. He's afraid of what you're going to be. I'm here to tell something the devil could kill you. You'll already be dead. You're going to get out of your seat and say it's only a lie. We're going to make it. He's going to pay my bill. He's going to give me a breakthrough. He's going to heal I'm here to tell somebody the devil didn't want her to pray through. And the next week, she brought her she brought her third daughter to the same Bible study. And we prayed her through the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the reason why the devil's telling you it won't work. It can't happen. You're in. You're in over your head. I don't care what he told you. The reality of his roar is that his roar is not reality. Uh, so, let's stop for a moment, lift our hands. There's revelation in this house. Why don't you let your voice out? Why don't you let a little roar? Because you got another lion on your side. You got the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's telling you, it can happen. It will work. There is revival. The people do love God. Stand up and declare every promise of God. And don't let the lie of the enemy intimidate you. Don't let him tell you you can't handle another church. Don't let him tell you that you can't handle all these things that God's asking you to do. Let me ask you one thing. All the Bible scholars... All my preachers, let me ask you, how many times did Satan ever speak to Job? Because the devil spoke to God to get permission to touch Job's stuff. And you never see Satan talking to Job because he had permission from heaven. So if he's talking to you, that means he doesn't have heaven's permission. <laughs> so you let him keep talking. You let him keep jawing about your kids and your family. You let him keep jawing about it. Because that tells me he don't have heaven's permission. And the reality of his world is that his world is not reality. Not one time did he talk to Job, but he talked to God. But if he's talking to you, the fact that he's roaring, Satan's threatenings are just a testimony that he doesn't have permission to do what he's saying he will do. The reality of his roar is that he's full of hot air. And the reality of the roar is revealing to us that God has made a hedge about us and about our house and about all we have. We let God have blessed the work of our and our substance in the crease in the land. 
I'm telling you, you let the devil yell over your heads. I'm going to get you. I'm going to take your kids. There's no revival in Sturgis. There's no revival in Fredonia. There's no revival in Eddieville. There's no revival there. No, no, no. Hey, listen, the fact that he's telling you that is saying you've got a hedge about you. God's going to take care of your house. God's going to take care of your family. And God's going to give you revival. tell you? I'm going to give you one more verse of scripture. I'm going to fight in spirit tonight. I'm usually a pretty nice guy. But when I came to Colorado Springs, things were going good. All of a sudden, one of our men dead and gone. Cancer. Within six weeks, he was gone. Once the diagnosis came, stage four, six weeks, he was gone. I was there when he passed. Remember how I don't like death? Remember I talked about last night? Death, God stretching you. Talked about the woman, the abundance. Giving out of her abundance, that's not just about money. Some people got an abundance of confidence. And it's nothing for them to raise their hands and run the aisles. What about you that's timid, scared, not sure what people will say? It's a stretch for you to even lift your hands. Right? But I, I was there when that man was laid across that bed, just like my daddy was laid across his bed as I seen him as a 13-year-old young man watching my daddy die. I watched this young man, and his little girl was right there watching her daddy die. And I'm there, and I'm mad at the devil. And the devil said, because, listen, it was like one death after the other in that church. And it's like everything that the devil spoke to them. His track record was pretty good. And it looked like the liar had been telling the truth. But it's like this. When they're about to go into the promised land, you had ten spies that said, we can't take it. You had two spies that said, we can. Which one was right? Both of them. Because it says, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You want to know how the devil, being a liar, looks like he's telling the truth? It's when you agree with his word, it establishes his word. That's why those that said they can't, they didn't. Those that said they could, they did so you got to make up in your mind. Are you going to die with disease? Or are you going to be healthy and whole? You've got to make up in your mind. Are you going to have revival? Or are you just going to settle for 30, 50, 70? So I got fighting mad when I seen all of a sudden it looked like the devil was telling the truth. Does it ever feel like that? Am I the only one that sometimes feels like the devil's telling the truth? We know he's the father of lies. But listen, if you agree with his lies, it establishes his word. Right? Here's the thing. That, yeah, that truth and the spirit of a lie. That old lady came... Remember when Paul came into that new area and he was preaching, bringing light to an area that was in darkness? He came preaching and that, that little old lady came up to him and started saying, These be the men of the Most High God which show us the way of salvation. Was she preaching truth? Yes, she was. She was speaking truth. But in the spirit of a lie. Because she was trying to join herself because nobody knew Paul. Everybody knew what spirit she was of. And if that joins with Paul, it compromises the integrity of truth. So that's why. Uh, this is making sense. 
So that's why I got fighting mad. I never take my jacket off unless I'm using it. But I remember the Sunday God gave this to me, I ripped my jacket off and I threw it down. I'm, I'm spitting mad. Because we've got lost Papa, lost Daryl Harper, lost David Babb, and we lost Frank. We lost, I mean, we were losing, we've lost all these people. Looked like the devil was telling the truth. But guess what? I got up that Sunday, I ripped the curtain off of it. I ripped the sheets off it. Exposed it for what it was. And I've come to tell somebody, don't run from what you're feeling and facing. Lean into it. Bow up. Revelations 12 and 12. Bring up this last verse. Watch this. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Did you know the devil's wrath is his admission of his limitation? So if he's fighting you this hard, he's showing his hand. And I feel these last years, I feel that fighting spirit on me again. These last years, and even now, the enemy has come down having great wrath, trying to strangle your faith. But hear me. The reason why he comes down having great wrath because he's revealing that he knows his own limitations. He only has so long. He only has so much leash. So somebody, you got to raise up and let him know, I know the reason why you're so angry because it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. Somebody lift your hand, stand to your and would you shout like it's about time? <laughs> Hold on. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Get it ready. Hold on to it, okay? Come on, somebody. Uh, come on. He will live. Uh, he releases his voice. Bethany, come, come quick. We're fixing to have a move of God right now. Because I've got, here's the word. You ready for it? Because the devil, he reveals his vulnerability through his voice. If he's silent, look out. If he's silent, look out. But if he's, if he's messing with you. So what we need in here tonight, we need a Benaniah spirit that went down into a pit one translation says this, On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into the pit and killed it. There's another pit that's prepared. And I think while the devil has a little bit of time left, we ought to chase him instead of him chasing us. And I read this. Here, listen. I read this. And he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit. Some may say the right place. In a time of snow. And I believe right now and right here it's the right time. And 
it's the right place. Aren't you tired? Listen to me. Aren't you tired of depression chasing you instead of you chasing it? Aren't you tired of addiction chasing you and instead of you chasing it? I'm telling tonight, pornography can be dealt with, depression can be dealt with, suicidal thoughts can be dealt with, intimidation can be dealt with, confusion can be, because this is the right place, and this is the right time. How many are ready to chase a lion? All right, hold on, Beth. Hold on, Bethany. Hold on. Don't even play nothing. You ready? Let's all stand. You ready? Because I believe mentally we've battled. We have been emotionally exhausted. But tonight we can slay a lion. Amen. You ready? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you what you need to do every day. Come on. When you hear that roar. When you hear that roar. Don't play it yet. Not yet. When you hear that roar. Don't go into a defensive posture. But lean into it. Because when the devil's roaring, he's showing you his hand. And saying, I don't have very much but a little time. I'm limited. I'm on a leash. I don't have permission. But we have permission to chase him into that pit. So what do you do when you hear that roar? You run towards it. You run towards the fight. So he's about, listen, I'm telling you, it's fixing to blow up in this house. When he plays that roar, I want you to run out of your pew to this altar, and I want you to deal with what needs to be dealt with tonight. And we can beat some battles tonight. Are you ready? Crank it up as loud as you can. Come on. Come on, with all your faith, I want you to move right now. In the name of Jesus.